0: Welcome to San Francisco people. I'm Frank Garza. Today's guest is Sarah Cooper. Now it's hard for me to describe who Sarah is and what she does in just one simple, concise sentence. With a lot of my other guests, this was pretty easy. I did a show a while back with Helena Zaladova and I just told you guys she's one of the top real estate agents in San Francisco. Pretty straightforward. I'm sure you guys knew where I was going with that one. Later, I interviewed Fayette Fox, and I said, she's a writer who just published her first novel. Again, pretty straightforward. And with Travis Sigley, that one was the easiest. I just told you guys he was a professional cuddler, and yeah, everybody knew what I was talking about there. But Sarah, her and her career path are not as easy to describe. Since high school, she's spent most of her life bouncing between two different paths on one side has been more traditional roles in corporate America on the other side she's been trying to find her creative passion she's worked for companies like Yahoo and Google as a graphic designer she's done acting in commercials TV shows and films she's been a stand-up comic and been on stage at some prestigious comedy clubs in New York She's currently spending a lot of her time on her satirical blog, The Cooper Review. The Cooper Review features weekly original articles, videos, and cartoons on corporate humor, news, and other stuff. She's best known for a post called 10 Tricks to Appear Smart in Meetings. She published that one last summer without expecting too much, but then it went viral. Since it was published, it's been viewed 3 million times. Today, Sarah shares her journey that she's taken to discover the right path for her between corporate America and her creative passions. And she also shares what some of the best highlights have been along the way. Sarah lives in the hate. She shares her favorite spots in the hood and throughout San Francisco. So let's go talk to Sarah. that you were born in Jamaica, mm-hmm. but that you moved away when you were three. So do you remember anything from Jamaica or were you too young?
1: I I'm too young to remember anything. I have pictures of myself, you know, in, in cute little dresses and in, in Jamaica and they're not my memories. They're just pictures. I don't remember anything of that, but, uh, um, and I think I was learning to talk to when I first moved here when I was three. So, everybody wants me to do the accent and I can't do the accent. I just, it just doesn't sound good at all.
0: (laughs) I saw that clip of you on the the news show talking about um, the email thing. And that guy was like, like like made you do the accent I could tell you did not want to do it. And then he was like, yeah, you sucked at it.
1: Pretty much. <laughs> and then my mom posted that clip on Facebook and all of my family members were like, yeah, you're terrible at yeah. that. Like everybody just reiterated what I've been saying.
0: That's it's a lot like of pressure everything. to do that on the spot. I will not, nor that I plan to ask you to do that.
1: Okay. Thank you.
0: Are both of your, or your parents Jamaican?
1: My whole family's Jamaican.
0: Okay. Mm-hmm. So what uh, made you guys move to DC, right? Isn't that where you moved?
1: Um, yeah. My grandmother moved first. So that's my dad's mom. And, um... Just more opportunity, you know. The, Jamaica is still a third world country for, in all intents and purposes, and um, you know. So my parents had four kids; I was the last one. And um, my mom left. We, you know, I had a bunch of family in New York and Florida and Maryland. And my mom left to kind of do some research on where, you know, we should move to, and then you know, finally decided on DC because that's where my grandmother was. But it was just for more opportunity.
0: Well, when I was reading your bio Mm -hmm. and your story, it it reminded me of a tennis match. Mm. And uh, let me explain myself. You know, you you picture the face of somebody at a tennis match and they're like constantly looking from left to right, like back and forth, back and forth. Yeah. And your journey reminded me of that because there's these two paths that seems that you've been like trying to decide between and Mm -hmm. trying to try out. There's this creative side of you Mm -hmm. that's done acting, uh, up comedy writing now. Mm -hmm. And then there's this more, I guess the more typical corporate professional, like graphic design side. So that seems like something that you've been like wrestling with trying to figure out your whole life. Can, Mm -hmm. is that accurate? Can you talk about that?
1: That's incredibly accurate. Um, just today I you know was doing research on incorporating a business and then I remembered just five years ago I was doing research on incorporating a business when I had you know tried this like before you know so it's funny I've never heard a tennis match as an you know analogy for that but it is very much like that I've you know I've always had a creative side and a need to make people laugh I was the funny one in the family still am um and uh I also am an immigrant and so my parents are also typical immigrants want their kids to have jobs that will make them lots of money and and make sure that they're secure and so I think I've always struggled um with taking the creative stuff seriously everyone takes the real job seriously they take the title seriously when you say that you're exploring acting they're like okay (laughs) they don't really take that very seriously and that's the reaction I got you know from my parents it's the reaction you get you know whenever you try something that's just a little bit different and um, I'm very uh, sensitive to how people react to what I do and so I think it's just that now I'm starting to get older that I'm starting to realize you know what I have to take myself seriously you know I have to say this is important and this is meaningful to me and it You know, other people will come around eventually, hopefully, but I can't really worry about that. But it's definitely been a struggle between like what people look at and approve versus what I am drawn to.
0: Right. And I did get the sense that I don't know if conflict is the right word, but with your parents, Mm -hmm. um, that they have kind of pushed more towards the professional side um, I think I read that you had a theater scholarship mm-hmm. to the University of Maryland, mm-hmm. and they kind of pushed you to do something more business related. Yeah, is that has that conflict been always there?
1: Yeah, I mean that conflict has been there, and I, you know, I think I like to say it's all their fault because that's just easier. <laughs> um, but if I really, really wanted a theater degree, I could have pushed and I could have made it happen. Um, I think that I was just still struggling with the fact that. People, you know, other people didn't even, you know, think it was a good decision or a good move. Um, I think my boyfriend in college was also someone who was like, I don't know about that, you know. Um, So I think I was just really affected by that. Not just from my parents, just from everybody, um, everybody around me. Okay.
0: so let's talk about I want to talk about a lot of the you know, aspects of your journey, but let's talk about the acting first. Mm -hmm. I mean, it sounds like you always had that bug growing up. You know, I think I read you always felt like you wanted to perform Mm -hmm. in front of people. So I know you've done commercials, you've done some film, you've done some TV shows. Let's talk about the commercials first. Mm -hmm. Tell me about a few interesting commercials that you've done.
1: Okay. Um. Or
0: any that stand out. What have you tried to sell people?
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, <laughs> um, when I first moved to New York, I was in a commercial for Bing, which was relatively new at the time, the search engine, the search engine. and it was with, um, Kelly Cutrone who, uh, some of your viewer or listeners and viewers uh your non-viewers might remember from like reality television like she's this fashion person who dresses in all black and it just has a terrible attitude about everything and um yeah so I was you know an ice cream store employee or opening up a shop and like you know, she had come to find it was a commercial for Bing that was going to play in uh, cabs. In <laughs> it was cabs? a cab commercial. Oh, in cabs, cabs. Okay. <laughs> so this is what they do in New York. Like you're in cabs so much that they make commercials specifically for cabs. Oh, cool. That will be like, oh, I just found this on my Bing app. I'm in a cab. I'm going to tell the cab to take me there, and then you know they come over there. I, I don't know. It was silly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's one. I can't. I don't. I feel like I didn't do that many commercials um,
0: Is that where you got your start was that the first I guess acting on television that you did?
1: Um, no I um, I when I when I moved to San Francisco I worked for Yahoo for a while and then I left Yahoo and sort of left the tech world to pursue acting again. And then ended up back in Atlanta and uh, with an agent. And um, so I was doing a lot of like extra work, uh, a lot of Tyler Perry stuff. Um, So I was in, uh, you know, Meet the Browns and those kinds of like shows um, because he has a huge studio there. So that was the first sort of television stuff that I'd done. Okay. Yeah.
0: How about the Army Wives? Mm-hmm. I know that was uh, that was uh, I guess a series, or you booked a couple of episodes on that series. Yeah, uh, Sherry. Yeah, is that who you were? Yeah, and, and was that on? <laughs> was it on Lifetime?
1: Um, was that Lifetime? i um, the clip
0: I saw was on Lifetime, but right, it could have just been like replaying it. Yeah. Um. Tell me about that role. Yeah. And and did that seem like a bigger break to you? Because it seemed like after that, you decided to move to New York and pursue acting a little bit more seriously.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I had been, um, I had been in Atlanta for like a year and a half. I had auditioned for that show 10 or 11 times before I finally got Apart, um, and it was a real—it was a really small role, but I still had a trailer and stuff like that, so that was cool. Um, there's a, there was only a few shows at the time that shot in Atlanta, um, and that was one of them. I actually never watched it before. I thought it was a reality show. I had no idea what it was, but you know, I was auditioning for it. Um,
0: that's what I thought when I heard the name.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's what I thought too. Um, but then I started auditioning for it. Finally, I got a part on it, and um, turned out to be a recurring role. I had two episodes on on the the series, uh, and it was interesting. It's 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 weird how much time it takes to shoot uh, those shows. Um, a a scene that is only like a few minutes long could take hours to shoot. And I think that was, um, I had a few moments like that, you know, in little bits of theater that I was doing or uh, TV shows that I was doing where I was like, this is, I I enjoy the output. I enjoy like seeing it, but I'm not sure I actually enjoy the actual doing of it. I'm not sure I actually enjoy being on set for four hours to say two lines. Like I, I didn't, um, I didn't enjoy it as much as, you know, when you see actors being interviewed and they're like, oh, this is so much fun and, you know, I'm just getting paid to do what I love. I just didn't feel that way. It just, it felt exciting and it felt rewarding, but um, it wasn't as much fun as I thought it was going to be. It was a lot of pressure too. That was the first time where I had giant cameras in my face and a sea of 20 people behind the camera waiting for me to say my one line. And I just felt, Really nervous and just yeah. I felt a lot of pressure, um, and it wasn't as much fun as stand up or improv of just doing things off the cuff and whatever happens happens. It felt very much like I had to be very precise, um, which isn't actually true because if you look at the best actors, they're unpredictable. They're they're doing things that are surprising you and that you know they're making mistakes maybe, but they work with it. And I never felt comfortable enough to like settle in, to like make mistakes and to be like interesting in an unexpected way. Um, And that's really why I tried stand up because I felt like I really needed to be more myself. I was trying to be these characters and it wasn't working. Um, I'd get a camera in my face and I would sort of freeze and I don't know. I I personally don't think it was very interesting to watch. But when I did stand up, I felt more comfortable, more like myself. I was saying my own words. And that's one of the reasons why I decided to try it, because I figured, you know, maybe if I could get more in touch with who I am, then maybe I would become a better actor. But then I actually enjoyed the stand up more.
0: Yeah. So I I always thought doing stand up would be fun. Mm I mean, I'm not very funny. Yeah, so it wouldn't go very well.
1: You're funny looking. but <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs>
0: oh, thank you. Well, maybe that would give me at least a few laughs up there. <laughs> but I always thought that if you were going to do it, like that very first time getting up on stage with a mic would be just so like horrifying and scary. Mm-hmm. Do you remember the first time Absolutely. you get up on stage? Can yeah.
1: you tell um, me about it? So... A lot of people are inspired by great stand up comedians to go and try it. I was inspired by somebody who I thought would be good, but actually didn't do that well. I was watching a YouTube video, and it, it, this comedian was just sort of bombing. And I was like, I can do that. You know, <laughs> like his failure inspired me to try it. Um, and uh i just had this story about a guy that i was dating at the time and i thought it was a funny story and i wrote it down and i said you know what i'm just gonna give it a shot and i'm just gonna go to this open mic and i went with a friend and my friend was so excited he brought his camera he's like i'm gonna record this this is great um i drank so much i probably (laughs) had about eight beers
0: was that so was that the plan were you like i'm gonna get shit faced before i go up there okay well... It wasn't like... It wasn't you like nervous and I just kept like going after the other?
1: No, I think I knew that I was gonna get drunk and right before the open mic they had a little pre-open mic for people that just wanted to give it a shot without an audience and I did it and it was horrible. I mean you know, to try it with people there is one thing, at least maybe you can make them laugh a little bit and you can get some feedback to try it for the first time with no audience, no laughter, nothing. And you're just saying whatever you're saying. Like I was so nervous. So I think that inspired me like, okay, I'm definitely going to have to have a few drinks before I actually do this. But when I got up there, I was so comfortable and I had just a great time. I was just it's still like one of my favorite performances, even though it's not that funny. It's still one of my favorite experiences.
0: What was the, will you share the story? The, you said it was a funny story about a boyfriend.
1: Yeah. And he wasn't a boyfriend. He was a guy that I was completely in love with. And it was just about me being like head over heels, crazy, crazy person for this person that didn't even know my name. And it was just a, it was just a story about uh, you know, sort of letting him kind of walk all over me in the worst way possible, and just kind of relaying that. Um, in retrospect, like that's what a lot of female comedians talk about is kind of their dating situations and things that go wrong. But that's what I had to say, so that's what I said.
0: Did people laugh?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I got people to laugh. You know, I, I I got people to laugh in the beginning, and then it kind of went. <laughs> it went off into its own direction and people were like, okay. You know, and then I only was supposed to be up there for five minutes. I think I ended up staying up there for eight just talking and talking and talking. So
0: I bet that felt good though when you got yeah. off the stage. Yeah. Like knowing that you had done it.
1: Yeah, it felt really good.
0: So I saw a couple of your um on your website you had a few like bits mm-hmm. um up there. And one of them you seemed to be getting heckled oh, a one? little bit. Um something about like you you were about to follow somebody into like their room and they could have been like a rapist or a murderer oh, or yeah. something and there's some guy on the stage yeah. who's like laughing and you're like man yeah you think this is funny you know and like, yeah so getting heckled yeah i wanted to ask you about that mm-hmm. i mean did you did that happen a lot did you get I've, good at handling people who are I've doing been that so
1: fortunate i've haven't been heckled very much um i'm i've realized this year just this year actually how terrified I am of audiences and um it really I don't know what it is I'm, I'm very scared of people saying random things and me not having a comeback I'm scared of that I don't know what it is um that's the thing that scares me about improv too it's just like what if I don't know what to say you know um that experience the room was really rowdy and I wasn't drunk at all because I'd stopped drinking at that point to do stand up. I was doing it completely sober. And so um, it just throws you off guard and you're not sure how much to address it versus how much to ignore it and just move on. You're trying to please so many people. There's the people that actually want to hear what you have to say. There's the people that want you to deal with the person that's drunk and being loud. Um, You know, I've seen people tear down people that are like being rowdy and just be so mean to them and you can go too far you can go past a point where people are on your side scared of that too you know like it's it's just a very touchy situation and it's one of the things that I if I continue to do stand-up which I haven't decided I'm gonna do yet um I would love to get better at. I would love to get better at rolling with the punches on stage and being so comfortable that I am fine with whatever happens because I'm still not there yet. I'm still very much a here's my script kind of stand up comedian.
0: Do you do it in San Francisco now?
1: I, I haven't tried it yet here. No. OK.
0: Well, I think my my favorite bit that I saw, I think you were at the New York Comedy Club. Mm-hmm. So you, you've you done this at some pretty yeah. good sized venues. Mm hmm was one that you were doing about like catch for like tech catchphrases oh, yeah, yeah, like yeah. you better check your email yeah yeah, yeah. I yeah. love that one Thank Can you, you elaborate on that one at all
1: yeah sure <laughs> I was watching um, Hollywood exes with my mom and um, one of the exes uh, her her um, way of telling a woman to sort of check herself or whatever was to be like She needs to check her email. Oh, no. She needs to check... You know, she looked at me like that. She needs to check her email. You know, like, almost like... You you need to you need to step off or step back, but instead it was check your email. <laughs> it was so funny. It's it's like the funniest thing to me because she was using it in such a mean way. Yeah. You know, like it was it was like a fuck you. It was yeah. like fuck you, go check your email. It's like I sent you something. It's a virus. I mean, she didn't go that far, but I just thought it was so funny and it kind of combined like my love of like tech stuff with this like random reality show person who's using it as a cut down. So I just kind of expanded on it the first time I tried it was at an open mic and I was saying things like you know you need to um Redo your database. I was doing things that were just really way too far techy, and people didn't understand them, and so I had to back it up a little bit, and like you know, you know, charge your iPhone, you know, as as a cut down. So basically, just using yeah, these you know about
0: somebody's drive about to be corrupted. Yes, yes. You better update your software because your
1: data is about to get corrupted. Like yeah, (laughs) so I just thought that that was really funny. Like, what if people actually use those as cut downs?
0: Yeah, (laughs) I like. I'm gonna use the email one. Yeah, I'm gonna try and like (laughs) within the next week. I'm going to try and like blow it out at least once.
1: Well, in San Francisco, people are actually going to be like, really? Did you send me something?
0: They'll like pull out their phone and like check it right there. (laughs) They'll
1: check it right there. Check my email. Nothing's there. What do you got to say now, Frank?
0: That's right. So I love that one. I thought that was really funny. Everybody should go check that one out. Um, Going back to the acting. Um, You've been in some films. Mm -hmm. Um, I had a hard time finding what films you're on, but I did find you, I think, on IMDb. Mm -hmm. And there's three films listed there. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm Ashtide, Fat Boy Chronicles, Mm -hmm. and Battle. Mm -hmm. Um, I watched a little bit of Mm Ashtide. And then I watched the trailers for the other ones. Now, Battle... I want to read everybody what the, what the description of the movie was. Okay. Because this is going to pull everybody in right here. Okay. It said, When thieves steal the tracks that Rippa was using for a crucial beat battle, the up-and-coming music producer struggles to prove his talent by cooking up an even hotter mix with the help of some talented friends. <laughs> now, that was in 2011. And I don't remember what other movies were out that year, but was that nominated for Best Picture?
1: <laughs> you know, I think it was. Yeah, I think it was. It was definitely a contender. What if was they your, didn't send it in, they should have.
0: What was your role in that movie?
1: I think I was Ripa's ex side chick. Ah. <laughs> I was Some drama. A dime piece. Uh, yeah, I was a chicken head. Yeah, If you know any of those phrases, uh, I probably not because I didn't know them <laughs> when I first, you know, signed on to be the role or I don't know. I don't even remember what my name was, but I just, I just had a few lines and I was mad because Ripa had moved on from me and I was like dating like the next hip hop star or whatever. So I, being in Atlanta, you know, being a black girl, like I got a lot of those kind of roles that were just not me at all, yeah. but you know. They were part of the scene in the culture.
0: And then I did see you in the Ash Tide, mm-hmm. the scene where you were like I was there's a, nurse. a guy trying to like run in the operating yeah. room and you're like holding him back. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. That was
0: pretty impressive. You're able to hold that dude back.
1: Thank you. I didn't even have <laughs> any lines, but I think that was, yeah.
0: Yeah. Any other films? Um, are like those the only three, or were there more um films that you did?
1: Um, I think the last film I did was one called Rendezvous, um, which was another independent film. Um and uh I was at the premiere of that when I got the call that I had uh, uh, got an offer from Google. So I had the, the worlds colliding again, right. sort of. Um, I was on the red carpet trying to think about, you know, should I take that offer from Google? Um, and yeah, that was kind of like th- three, you know, stories, three relationship stories sort of intertwined.
0: So at some point, I think you were working for Google. Mm-hmm. And you kind of got the creative like urge again to go do something
2: mm-hmm.
0: and that launched olah love,
2: yeah, right, mm-hmm. which
0: is a satirical dating site and i i didn't do a lot of reading on that, mm-hmm. but I did browse through and I picked out a few titles Good. that I really liked, um eight Reasons to Accept His Booty text <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye, November, Celebrate December Beaver. <laughs> Uh, six ways a prostitute could save your marriage and then there's a guys section um, she deserves an orgasm too and other relationship myths so were you writing all of these was this a one person show
1: um, with that last one my now husband wrote that okay. one he's hilarious um, yeah I I wrote a bunch of, of them I, um, I wanted to kind of make fun of Cosmo and like all of these dating sites like, it, the thing that um, kind of fascinates me is being um in a space where you have such a serious problem as like you know I don't know what he's thinking or I don't know where this is going you know you're having some kind of relationship difficulties that you go read an article about it and these articles are terrible and they give the worst advice possible um, and so I just kind of wanted to make fun of that but I think in the end I wasn't sure who I was making fun of because at some point I was like I'm making I'm actually making fun of the people who read these articles not making fun of the articles themselves because I had a few and they're like you know will he cheat a sixth time take the quiz like yeah he's probably gonna cheat a sixth time (laughs) don't read this article um but it was fun
0: are you still writing articles for that website or something kind of retired yeah
1: that's retired it still gets like a few hundred hits a day just from search engine stuff so but it's it's retired okay yeah
0: And so then at some point you wrote this 10 tricks to appear smart in meetings.
1: Yeah, about a year later.
0: About a year later. Mm -hmm. And that went viral.
1: Mm -hmm. I think
0: I read like it has 4 million views. Yeah. So I guess tell me about like how you came up with that idea. Like what you were expecting it to do versus what it actually did. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, let's start there.
1: Um, Well, I actually started writing it down about seven years ago. On the shuttle from the marina to Yahoo, when I was working at Yahoo, um, I noticed someone who, you know, turned a percentage into a fraction. I thought, Oh, that's you know, that's cool. I should do that, you know. I, I noticed the Venn diagram thing. I think those are the two things that I noticed and it was just two things at the at that point. And then I was going through some old stuff, like a few years prior to publishing it, and I Came across the journal, and I came across those things, and I was like, "Oh, I should finish this. This is kind of funny." Um, and then, what really inspired me was LinkedIn started, you know, asking people to publish stuff on LinkedIn, and I said, "Well, maybe this would be good for LinkedIn." You know, like how to, you know, look smart in meetings or whatever. Um, I wrote it, and I, you know, um, you know, did some really stupid drawings or whatever. And I was going to put it on LinkedIn, but then it just didn't feel right. It felt like, you know what? I don't want people at Google to, you know, see this associated with my resume on LinkedIn. You know, that's not that doesn't feel right to me because a lot of the people at Google do these things. <laughs> so I always, I always, I was also uh, a little um scared of publishing it because I thought people would see themselves in it and maybe take offense to it or something like that. But I pushed past that and I found Medium and I decided, you know what, I'm just going to put it up on Medium. Um, and I really didn't expect anything to come of it. I just thought it was, I thought it was pretty funny. I shared it you know, with a few people um, but it took off almost immediately. Um,
0: with, when was it? When did you post it on Medium for the first time?
1: It was July 2nd.
0: Of 2014. Um, Yeah.
1: And so it was the July 4th weekend, which I think might have helped too because people weren't really paying attention to work that week either. But, you know, within a few days, it had hundreds of thousands of views. Um, And it really made me understand like vir- virality because I was trying to make Ula love go viral so much and it just wasn't happening. And this, I didn't do anything. I put it on medium. That's all I did. And it took off on its own. And it made me understand that like, if you have something that people really like, it will take off on its own. You really don't need yeah, to do that it's much. all about the
0: content. Yeah. So what are some of the ways you can appear smart in oh. meetings? <laughs> you kind of alluded to a few of them, but yeah. what are some of your favorite?
1: Um, definitely one of my favorites is the percentages to fractions thing. It's such a subtle thing, but if someone says 25% of people click on this button just to go, oh, so about one in four people, you know, (laughs) and just make a note of it. It's just such a, because people think, oh, wow, he really clarified that for us because before it was this vague percentage and now it's this concrete, you know, fraction, one out of four people, you know, I can picture them now, you know, I just, I love that one. That's so great. And it's so easy um, to do, you know um i love uh asking the presenter to go back a slide i think that's so brilliant because you don't you literally don't need to be paying attention to a single thing being said i think that's the thing that i realize about it is each one of the things is you really need no knowledge of what's going on in the meeting which most people are not paying attention so that's what's really helpful about it just to be able to say i'm sorry could you go back a slide yeah. It stops the entire meeting. You know, everybody's like, oh my gosh, what did we miss on that last slide? And then the presenter, of course, immediately goes back and is worried, you know, about what, you know, is the question going to be asked. And then, you know, just say something like, yeah, could you just explain this a little bit more? It's all yeah. you need to do.
0: I appreciated your tip, though, to make sure you don't do that on the first slide. On the slide. first slide. Yeah. Yes.
1: Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> that would, yeah, that's an immediate um, right. exposure.
0: I also like the step back. Yeah. Like we need to take a step back. Yeah. I thought that was funny.
1: I know. And that's one of the ones that I've said a ton of times and people say it and I don't think it's a non-useful thing to say. I just think that you can say it without actually knowing what anybody's talking about. Right. Yeah.
2: Okay.
0: And so then after this post went viral, Mm -hmm. sounds like that led to you creating the Cooper review, Mm -hmm. which that's how I eventually found you. Um you had put in i think I came across your article on medium mm-hmm. for the first time, and it was the difference between living in New York and oh, San okay. francisco mm-hmm. but tell me about the Cooper review what that is, and what kind of work you do there
1: um well yeah i mean once I started building up uh you know followers on medium, I decided I wanted to start you know my own site, which obviously i I'd, I'd wanted to do for a while you know when I started go love um So I wanted it to be sort of associated with my name, but not just my name. I wanted it to be like a place where, you know, it was very clearly satire. Um, And since the office humor was working really well in Medium, I really just started with that. And I just started putting everything that I put on Medium there and just started thinking about other ways, other things that I could make fun of with sort of the office uh, situation. And then... uh, You know, recently, um, really actually starting with the San Francisco, New York comparison, um, starting to branch out a little bit and starting to write more about, you know, other things um, other than uh, just office humor. Um, But a lot of it is just very tongue in cheek um, and very uh, just very satirical. And that's that's what I want it to be.
0: So what are some of the differences you've learned between San Francisco and New York?
1: Um, well, the most controversial one is the weather, which I've, you know, I'm so sick of people arguing with me about this because I think weather is the most boring thing to talk Why about in the whole world. Why is that controversial? Because I said that the weather here is perfect oh. all the time. And I said that in New York, it's either cold, hot, and for a very small portion of the year, it's it's perfect. Um but then in San Francisco, it's perfect all the time, which isn't true. It's not always perfect. It, it,
0: well, I think it's like close. I I think people who like complain about the weather here have probably lived like in California their that's whole what lives. I think. yeah. Because to me, the weather, so I've, I grew up in Missouri, mm-hmm. very seasonal, very mm-hmm. cold winters, very hot summers. Then I lived in Louisiana for a while
2: mm-hmm.
0: where it's like five months of the year I don't even want to go outside. Mm-hmm. So to me, this is like, pretty much perfect weather. Yeah.
1: And I think that's the key is that I just moved from New York where last winter we had zero degrees for weeks, you know, and people are like, it's freezing here. It's always cold. It's so chilly. It's so windy. And the chilly, windy, freezing weather here is like 50 degrees. It's not what it was in New York. And so no, it's not perfect. And yes, I do have to wear a sweater, but (laughs) comparatively (laughs) it's, it's pretty nice. Right. Um, the attitude one, I think, uh, resonated with a lot of people of just New Yorkers being very clear with how they feel about you at the time. The get the fuck out of my way versus here people are very passive aggressive and they've mastered passive aggression and it's uh, I I can't say which is better. I think New York is better. I think New York beats San Francisco in that respect because I think if you can be honest and open with how you're feeling, even if it feels aggressive, at least it's honest. Here there's just too many tight-lipped people that are just repressing a lot of emotions.
0: <laughs> right. Okay. So some yeah. of my other favorite ones, and I don't know if all of these are on the Cooper Review. Some of them I just found on your website.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But another one I really liked was 14 rap lyrics oh, yeah. you can use in your conference call today. What's yeah. some rap lyrics you can use?
1: Oh, I. I think I... I think I had I, I can't even remember I liked that. it I you think that there's, an inter, that.
0: there's an introduction one yes. where you're like straight you out, you annu- out of uh, Cambridge like how you announce yourself on the phone <laughs> yeah straight
1: out of Cambridge <laughs> a product manager named Jeff Dunn <laughs> <laughs> um, which I think is funny yeah I it's I don't know. I don't remember what they are, but they're okay. basically just plays on Yeah, Rapplers. well, it's a good
0: one. I don't know. I don't think I'm going to implement any of those, oh, okay. but uh, I did think they were funny. Thank you. Uh, there was a great video you did on getting married in your 20s versus 30s. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about what some of the differences are there?
1: Yeah. Um, the, the thing that gave me the idea for this was my bachelorette party where uh, one of my friends went into her purse and like brought out some vitamin B12 complex so that it would help our you know hangovers the next day and it just you know Hit me that if we were 25, we'd be doing E, not vitamin B12 <laughs> complex. And so that's one of them. And uh, changing my name was a huge one because I just know that growing up, I was like, oh, what's my name going to be? Like, you know, w- what am I going to change my name to? And now I don't want to change my name. I just right. don't want to change it. It's, it's, it's still because I, I think my husband really does want me to change my name, but I still don't want to do the paperwork. I don't want to go through the process of it. I just want to be Sarah Cooper. Um, so I'll probably not change my name. Um, The, you know, wanting to invite everyone and have a huge wedding uh, is is definitely a big one. Um, And it's sad, but the reason really is, you know, when you get older, you don't keep in touch with people, and you really do realize who you want there and who you don't want there. And, you know, for better or worse, that just means that you don't have a big wedding usually. Um, So those are some of them.
0: Okay, so we talked about this journey you've been on and kind of bouncing back and forth. Uh, wh- where, do you see yourself now? Um, I know you, you, you left your job at Google recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're doing the creative thing through your writing and the, and the Cooper review website. And I, uh, you know, I just learned you're writing a book mm-hmm. as well. Um, where do you see yourself in that journey? Still bouncing or more settled
1: um, on a path? Well, I'll tentatively say I'm more settled. Um, because I am taking myself more seriously now. And I do see a path to making money doing this. And I think I just didn't see that before. I didn't see how this could be a career. But now that I have a website and I have a presence and I have these avenues like writing a book or you know putting together videos, um, I see that there's a path to actually making it a career. And the longer I stay away the harder it's going to be for me to go back, um, I think, to, to the corporate world. I just, I think I'm more optimistic this, this time around. Um, I see a lot of potential. Um, I see more potential for me to use all of my talents on a daily basis versus what I was doing in the corporate world, which was, um, you know, fun in terms of like I got to work with a lot of great people but what I was actually doing wasn't making use of of what of everything that I enjoy and everything that I'm good at um whereas when you run your own business and it's something that you're really excited about and passionate about you really are using you're firing on all cylinders um every day is important every hour is important you you try to make the most of all the time that you have to get to move yourself forward. Um, and so I'm very attracted to staying with it this time. And I'm hoping that I, I do. Um, I also this time have a husband who's very supportive and also can support me while I'm um, trying this. And I think that's also very helpful. Um, if you're just on it by yourself, I you know, it's it's pretty hard. Um, <clears throat> so I'm working on the book proposal. Um and um, I'm hoping that'll be the start of many books. I don't want to just make one book. I want to I want to write a lot of books. Um, and I'm just gonna continue like working on the on the website and um, hopefully you know maybe going back to stand up and we'll see about that. Um, but yeah, I think I'm I'm definitely more settled this time around.
0: What is the book about? I know you already told me, yeah. but tell everybody.
1: Um, so the proposal uh, that I'm working on right now is for 100 tricks to appear smart in meetings. And so it's every meeting you can imagine, one-on-ones, check-ins, off-sites, team-building meetings, brainstorming meetings, every every meeting you can imagine and what you can do to appear smart in every single one of those situations.
0: You're going to be the next Dilbert. <laughs> I author. hope I forget the guy's name <laughs> who like did that uh, yeah
1: Dave something I think he's from
0: yeah. the he's from the Bay Area I believe I think he is yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. so what about so the the website the Cooper Review seems mm-hmm. to be doing really well I mm-hmm. think it's awesome like how many um, how many likes visits do you get to it like how many people are like looking at it
1: um, I, I'm getting about you know between 10 and 40,000 um hits a day damn um, yeah i mean like if if something goes viral awesome. like the san francisco thing you know i was getting 100,000 hits um for like a few days but it's just it's very up and down do you think that was my tweet i think i go- <laughs> i think it had with a my, lot t- to do with my 200 that. followers yeah. my 200 followers
0: just jumped on
1: that <laughs> <laughs> yeah um yeah no it's exciting when things when people like really are into things it's it's a lot of fun um and i enjoy watching my stats just as much as i enjoy writing stuff so yeah yeah
0: um okay so i had i also read that you know i know you're living in san francisco now Mm -hmm. but you had lived here once before Mm -hmm. and you said that when you moved here san francisco became your favorite city in the world uh why is that and is it still
1: um, so I lived in the Marina and I think that I, I have to make sure everybody knows that because it's a very different place than most of the rest of San Francisco. And it was just idyllic to me. You know, I could see the Golden Gate Bridge from my window. I walked out and Marina Green and the water. It was just, I felt like I was on vacation, uh, every day. Um, I walked to the grocery store. I walked to see a movie. I walked to do everything that I needed to do, which was a com- it was completely different from Atlanta. Atlanta, you have to drive everywhere. And so this was the first time I had lived in a city where I didn't need a car. Because
0: okay, you hadn't lived <clears throat> in New York at this point. I
1: hadn't yet. lived in New York at that point. So this was the first kind of bigger city that I lived in. <clears throat> um, and I loved tech and I loved being in a world where I said I was a designer and people knew exactly what I did, I think I think that was the first time that had happened for me as well. Because you know, everywhere else, people are not sure what that means at all. Um, and so, I loved being around like the startup scene at that time, and you know, going to 111 Minna and hanging out and. Uh, seeing people just trying different things. I mean, it's even crazier now than it was back then, but it was still a lot of fun. You just felt like you were part of something, you know? Um, so I think I like that about it as well. What neighborhood
0: do you live in now?
1: I uh, hate Ashbury.
0: hate Ashbury, okay. Yeah. So I always ask everybody to tell me about some of their favorite spots in their neighborhood. Mm-hmm. I know you haven't been living there a long yeah. time, but I'm still gonna ask. Okay. Um, <laughs> based on what you know so far... What's, what's your three favorite things to do or places to go in the hate?
1: Um, okay. So we, uh, walk up to Twin Peaks a lot and I say a lot, we did it twice, but every time it's a lot of, it's a lot of fun and there's not a lot of hiking or walking around in New York. So I think that's the one thing we like taking advantage of. I love the
0: view from up there because it's such a, there's so many views from the city, Mm -hmm. like from the city, like of the bay. Yeah. But that is a view of like you're up above behind everything. the city yeah. and kind of like looking down mm-hmm. on it's really And you
1: can view. see everything. It's yeah, just that's gorgeous. Awesome. Yeah. So I love doing that. Um, I, this isn't a place to hang out, but the Hate Street Market okay. <laughs> has uh, really amazing sandwiches. I'm just going to plug their sandwiches. Uh, the deli there is great. Um, and on Tuesdays, well, they have a. Um, Frequent like sandwich buyer card that you can get. And on Tuesdays, it's a double stamp day. Damn. <laughs> so just letting all your, <laughs> your listeners know that you get double stamps. And so that means that every um, few weeks we get a free sandwich. Nice. So I think so what, what's
0: your favorite sandwich there?
1: It's Gus's Special.
0: Gus's Special. It's what got is that?
1: avocado and turkey and, um, you know, mayo and cheese. Okay. It's delicious. Anything with avocado I love. Um, and then the last place that I will say is a restaurant that my husband and I have already been to three or four times. And I think it's called Bazaar, but I don't, it might. Bazaar. Uh, Bazaar or Razar, or it has a Z in it. Um, and I wish I had looked this up before. Should I just look it up right now?
0: Uh, sure. Okay. What is it? Uh, what kind of restaurant is it?
1: It's, it's pretty much American. Um, it's, it's nothing crazy, but their chicken sandwich is, I don't know what they, what they do to it, but it's absolutely to die for. Okay. Um, we're going
0: to get this. Hold on, everybody. <laughs> I don't want anyone to miss out on this. Yeah. Cause I, I haven't like, heard of this place unless the name is like way off.
1: Kesar. K- oh, Kesar. 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 Okay. There we yeah, go. Yeah. Yeah. He's yeah, out.
0: Well, that's one of the, that's one of the, um most well-known sports bars okay. in the city. Okay.
1: Yeah. And right I love their s- wings. Oh yeah, I should try that. So
0: what is the sa- what is the sandwich that you said you really like It's the chicken sandwich. Pechino it's just sandwich. their chicken okay. sandwich.
1: It's really good. Um Pedrocito, across Pedro the street. Was we really went there good. for um Cinco de Mayo. It was okay. also really good.
0: Okay. Mhm. So the other I guess the final question I always ask everybody is if they had to move away from San Francisco, how would they spend their last day here? Oh. And, you know, I know you're maybe not as sentimental as some of us are because you've just been here Mm -hmm. like a short amount of time. Mm -hmm. But, you know, take me through your perfect San Francisco day. If you knew you were for some reason and then maybe move back to New York or something, how would you spend your last day here?
1: Um, I would it would definitely include the Golden Gate Bridge. I love that bridge. Um, I don't know. Maybe I would drive over it and maybe walk back. I'm not sure. I, I would definitely just hang out there. Um, I would um, probably the Embarcadero too. Um, these are all really boring. Sorry.
0: I like it. <laughs> the bridge would definitely the Golden Gate Bridge would be my last day. I'd bike across. Is yeah. What I would
1: do. Yeah. Um, what else would I do? Probably two, Twin Peaks again. Um, I'd want to go, I'd want to go to wine country. I want to go wine tasting just one place. I wouldn't spend a lot of time there, but I would want to drink there. Um, I would, I would drive, um, down the one. Yeah. I love I love like south driving towards like Big Sur yeah I love driving down the coast I just think it's so beautiful and it's it's such an awesome experience so I would do that that's not really in the city but no that, that um counts. yeah
0: yeah I love Big Sur Big yeah. Sur is one of the most beautiful coastlines I've seen and I feel like I've seen like a lot like around the world and it's like mm-hmm. few rival like the color of blue of that yeah. water and like the sheer cliffs it's yeah it's amazing it's breathtaking. Okay, well, that sounds like a very filling day. <laughs> yeah,
1: okay. I know. I don't know if I could get all that better done. better
0: get up early. Better <laughs> <laughs> set the alarm early for that day. Yeah. <laughs> I have a lot of respect for Sarah because she hasn't been afraid to try new things. And when things didn't work out or she wasn't happy, she moved on and she tried something else. I think with each new thing she's tried, she learned something a little bit more about what her true passions are, and I get the feeling she's getting very close to landing on the answer. You can read more about Sarah by going to the San Francisco People website. It's sfpeoplepodcast.com. From the front page, click on Sarah's picture. Now we'll get you a recap of the show and links to everything we talked about, including a link to the Cooper Review website. If you're on Twitter, you can follow the show at SFPeoplePodcast. And if you tweet about a San Francisco person doing something interesting, tag your tweet with the hashtag SFPeople. I'll be following those to help me find new guests for the show. You can also send me an email with your ideas to Frank at SFPeoplePodcast.com. Thanks to everyone for listening. We'll be back in a few weeks. I'm Frank Garza for San Francisco People.
2: You are listening to Best Frequencies Forever. Can you read music? No. You're hired. BFF.FM.
3: Yeah.